0: What's up, everyone? Welcome into the first episode of 2020. I hope you guys are all doing absolutely fantastic. In this episode, Mike and I are going to talk about our playing goals for the new year. We're also going to explore three different eras of snare drums, so we'll be listening to the sound differences between a 1920s wood snare drum, a 1960s wood snare drum, and a modern wood snare drum. Our featured artist this time is the great Eric Harland. In our gear review section, we'll be checking out some new snare drums from D-Drum. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our picks of the week, so let's get started.
1: Like that. Like that. Happy New Year. How are you, bud? Happy New Year to you, man. You good? I'm good. We had a nice hour and a half conversation today. I feel like we haven't (laughs) (laughs) exhausted everything possible yet. (laughs) This is our second
0: podcast of the day. It's just the one that gets recorded. Uh, That was a fun conversation, though. I I like having those types of talks where we step back for a second in anything in life and just reevaluate and make sure that we're not doing things the way we're doing it because it's how it's always been done. That is one of my biggest dislikes in the world is when someone says like, well, that's how we've always done it. That's how I know Mm. to run the complete opposite way. So the fact that you and I had a conversation about this podcast and the future of the Mike and Mike podcast as a brand and what we're going to do in 2020 and moving forward, I think that's just awesome.
1: Yeah, we can stop joking. We're not going to shut it down.
0: It's going to keep going. (laughs) It's going to keep going. It's going to become bigger, and hopefully we're going to be able to work out some things in the next year or two where we're actually doing stuff together in a town near you. That way we can make this More of a community vibe because this podcast has brought a lot of people together, and it gives a lot of people something common to talk about when they haven't met before. I I witness it every time we do a drum camp that two people that live in different countries and have never talked before, as soon as they get on this podcast, they start one talking about stuff that you and I don't even know about because we don't pay enough attention to (laughs) our own podcast. And I'm going like, wait, where'd you hear that from? And they're like, your podcast. Like, ah, dang it. I don't remember ever saying that. (laughs) But it's pretty cool. And and I want to make sure that this gets a good amount of attention. There's so much for you and I to put our attention towards in the next coming years. And we have to evaluate what's important to us. And I think you and I had our 90 minute conversation today was about how important this podcast is to us.
1: Yeah, it's kind of undeniable. For better or for worse, you're stuck
0: with me. <laughs> Brody, you're not the, the one I planned on when I was growing up, but whatever. I'll take it. Uh, okay, so getting to the community vibe, you and I will both be at Nam in a couple weeks.
1: I know. that because It's a week earlier than usual, right? I believe. It's usually yeah. like around yeah, it's my usually birthday. in the 20s. Yeah, so we're going to be there the 17th, I think. I'm there Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Same. Yes, yeah, so I get yep. in on the whatever that is, the, the 18th. Sixteenth,
0: so sixteenth, seventeenth, and eighteenth, yep. uh, we'll both be there. Uh, we'll both probably be palling around a little bit at night, but. Please do not freak out if you see us at two separate places. We are not actually real <laughs> friends. We just talk once a week.
1: We're not actually real friends. <laughs>
0: we don't like, actually hang with each other. Uh, so at some point, it'll be like, cool, we're all caught up. All right, man. Later, brah. <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe we should actually plan something. I guess if anyone is going to Nam and they want to meet us, let us know when you're going and maybe we'll try to coordinate something.
0: Yeah, it would be nice to even have a let's meet here and walk away from Nam because it's impossible to talk at Nam. Yeah, but true. let's go to a, a hotel lobby somewhere and just hang. I love that stuff. And I can tell you this: if you've never been to Nam before, once you've done a full lap of the drum floor and everything, it's it's okay to leave for a while. You're not going to mm-hmm. miss anything. And even if you do miss anything, you'll you'll see it later on Instagram not or YouTube. Not much. Yeah. Really. No. Uh, it's not like PASIC where you actually will miss something if you're having a conversation with somebody.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't know if there's even – I haven't had any news about any special events happening this year yeah. at all, honestly. The
0: sound ordinance is just – You know, I, I, I hope someday they adopt that. You haven't attended – oh, no. You haven't used your passport. I was going to say you haven't attended the UK drum show, but I love – how they do it. It's forty five I think it's maybe forty-five minutes of zero sound other than speaking, and then fifteen minutes of unadulterated, unchecked volume. (laughs) So really everyone gets fifteen minutes to get it out of their system. Most people leave. And then you have 45 minutes to walk around and look at gear and really talk to the owners and the and the creators. It's actually kind of brilliant. And so you'll just like this alarm goes off and everyone puts their earplugs in. Most people, like I said, leave and it's just like chaos for 15 it's straight like the minutes purge. <laughs> it is <laughs> It's, it's the chops purge. Purge the chops out of your system. So I enjoy that. Uh, so yeah, we would love to meet you guys there, hang out a little bit. And you and I might even do an episode from there since we'll be there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So yeah, we, might have we to figure that out. See how it goes. All right. So let's talk about our 2020 goals. And I'm not someone... I don't know if you are, mm-hmm. but I'm not a New Year's resolution person. Mm-mm. I don't need a new year for me to be motivated. But I also... I'm not ignorant to the fact that sometimes, especially with a big year like 2020 or 2000, Mm. 2010, it is somewhat nice to feel like, okay, I didn't, I obviously didn't need this, but it is a fresh start. Here we go. I'm going to attack the world a little different. Yeah. Um, so do you have, let's just stick with playing goals. Have you made any playing goals for yourself or do you even have something in your mind where you're like, I really hope that I'm better at this.
1: Hmm. Like, very specifically? Um, no,
0: not, not like a BPM or anything, but just maybe something a little more general. I think at the level that you and I are at, which I don't even think of it as a level. I think of it more as when you've played as long as we have. Mm-hmm. Little goals, like I'm trying to get my singles up 5 BPM, that's that's kind of past me by now. I'm not, I, I don't think like that. But I do sit down at the kit and wish for certain things to be improved. Yeah, And that's what will always be... I guess governing my practice. My practice will be whatever was I was inspired to practice that day or whatever I felt like I had to, but there's something standing on top of that, mm-hmm. like improvisation or yep. being more free with that.
1: Do you have anything like that? There's one that's been, you know, it's, it's not starting now, it started maybe two months ago where I'm trying to let go of the governor when I'm playing a little bit more, so I'm not... Um, Like I, when did we start talking about time? I don't know, four, five, six, eight years ago. Yeah, I've been like really, really conscious of control. That's been like my number one thing, control. So even down to my technique, it's been a little bit tighter, just because I know that extra bit of control is there with a little bit of tightness. So now I'm trying to, and it's actually been very successful. I'm letting go of that control, physical and mental, and allowing my muscle memory to kick in. Mm. And trusting that I'm not going to fall off the grid. And so far, it has been, I feel like I'm finally able to do that. In the past, because I kind of came up in an era when my teacher's like, relax, relax, relax. And as a result, I was a little bit imprecise because I was just so focused on being relaxed. So now I feel like they've finally merged. I can go back to playing, super loose and flowing. But at the same time, I'm not sacrificing precision. So that's a big thing, like just relaxing more again and not entrusting the fact that I'm not going to fall off the grid. And that's been successful thus far. Right. And I'm doing that via the beatnik, so I'm getting the exact numbers that are showing me that I'm not losing percentage when I relax too much. I still can't get 100% unless I go back to that more rigid kind of mental state. Yeah. But... But it's been allowing me on gigs to have more fun. When I'm subbing for Carter, I'm not like freaking out about making sure every note that I play is locked in with the bass player anymore. I'm trying to like zoom out and be more experiencing the whole thing. So that's a goal to keep that going to kind of keep expanding back and observing myself from above. It's not very specific, but that is definitely no that. that goal. But that
0: is what our <clears throat> goals have turned into for sure. That's why I was asking you, and I think it's maybe helpful for our listeners to hear that not every goal has to be like a workout or where you're trying to chart your bench press. Not Mm -hmm. every goal is as simple, you know, in the beginning, I think those are great. And I remember, God, that 200 BPM benchmark for anything that was 16th note based for me Mm -hmm. was just obsessive when I was in my first decade of playing drums. Uh, And then now it's like, when somebody says, how fast are your paradiddles? I'd be like, I, I, Somewhere between sixty and a (laughs) thousand. Enough. (laughs) They're fast enough. Fast enough enough for me to play the things that are in my mind. And I always think of speed as being relative to what is in your mind when you're drumming in your head and you're singing in your head. Mm -hmm. What What is that speed? And are you able to play that fluidly? Fluidly
1: is that a word? With fluidity? Yeah, either one. I think it works. (laughs) All right, so give me um, one goal. Let's do two goals. So give me a goal.
0: Okay, so my first goal is pretty simple, which is another big picture, zoomed out goal like yours, which is I am always going to be playing, for the most part, in my professional career, drums by myself, whether Mm -hmm. it's with a track, maybe, but I'm not going to be doing a lot of what you do. I won't be playing with human beings a lot because I've chosen the path of education, so I'll always be demoing that stuff. So I'm trying to take my love for pop music. And I've always wondered, like, why am I? why do I reject certain artistic styles of music so much, just as a listener, not mm-hmm. as a drummer, and love pop so much? And it's the hooks. I love hooks. Mm, yeah. And I want this, for the next couple of years, I want to really, really put a big focus on making my drumming more hooky. So if I'm mm. playing a drum solo, instead of worrying about how difficult it is, I want the focus to be, could someone in the audience sing back to me something I did? That's amazing. Great goal. Cool. And that's what I want. Because I'm done. I, you win, uh, Ronald Brunner Jr. I, I, I'll never get there. Yeah. Uh, you win. Yeah. But I know that when I just sat down and played with Eric Hernandez the other day, whether it's Bruno beating it into him or just his natural state of drumming, when we were playing together, every once in a while he would do something that it was like, that is... I could I could have done that 20 years ago I I, the skill was not the problem it was like God that was hooky that was like a vocal line Mm -hmm. how did and so I think that that's and when we look at Dave Dicenzo's solo now obviously that was at the peak of maybe what you or I could ever do physically someday in the future Mm -hmm. (laughs) way in the future but there was so many. There were so many hooks in it. I can sing most of that back to you. Nathaniel Townsley's solo that I've watched a billion times. Why do I watch that more than I watch someone else's solo? It's because I can mm-hmm. sing it back to you. And so that's going to be my big focus: is making my my improvisational stuff focused around a hook and a melody, but not quite as simple as a motif. A yeah. little bit expanded past.
1: Now I know that. this is kind of an impossible question to ask, and it's similar to like when someone says, "How do you how do you be creative?" But because you kind of have to go through a exploratory process but what is yes. your first strategy going to be for doing that
0: it's away from the drum set it's singing in the car with my metronome on oh okay cool improvise 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 Skank to chicken black it you know just mm-hmm. and the, i i find that what happens is when i do that on the kit the drumming is really fun for me to listen back to because I record it. Mm-hmm. And then once I go like, yeah, I got enough of those in. Now I'm just let off the leash. That's when the drumming becomes really boring to listen to uh-huh. and much more complicated. Yeah, yeah. And, Dense. and so I have to be able to stay in that zone longer. Um, and it's almost like what we talked about a few episodes ago. I think we talked about it on, on a podcast, but did we talk about how the Chinese were the ones that actually, the Chinese monks were the ones that invented matcha? Yeah, I think so. so. I think so. Either that or we talked about it away from the podcast. But the whole point was, could you find sustained energy that also allowed for concentration? Instead Mm. of just having caffeine that was running wildly through your body, could you also maintain focus? And I think that that's what's happening. That's what I want is, can I maintain focus while still being creative? And right now, maybe I can go for two minutes. And then eventually, I just start – it's almost like I pull that ripcord and give up on Mm. that, like – I feel that pressure of like, ah, but it's not that cool. I mean, I have I've been in sixteenths, eighths, and eighth note triplets this whole time. That can't be very cool. And I have to get over that mm-hmm. and then just say, like, dude, this is awesome. Like uh space. Bla dun cut. Like that's so much cooler than <laughs> we know that away from the kit. It's hard to do that on the kit.
1: What I'm gonna be very excited to observe is when hopefully this will this will happen is when cuz it sounds like you have to go simplify first to then yes. so when when that concept then pervades over into when you start playing more complex stuff like rather than you know I play a play a a hook that's simple and then I have a chance to play drums well when does the when you're playing drums become the hook as well like that's that transition from everything you play is going to be governed by a hook that's going to be yeah. exciting and i think the other
0: tell sign of this will be, when is it enough that I actually am using it as social media content? Mm. There's the, the thing that maybe people might not realize is me as a drummer and who you see online are two very different people because I can't post really who I am as a drummer because I'm running a business. And unfortunately, a dense 32nd note groove on Instagram, while it violates my soul It gets people into the fold so that Mm -hmm. I can be like, oh, by the way, that was a joke. Uh, Now we're going to work on quarter notes on the hi-hat. And they're like, what? It's like, well, I had to get you in with a little bit of candy. But I mean, I can't just show up on Instagram and be like, these are
1: Brussels sprouts. Oh, man, you need to do a comedy sketch where you have a van and candy and you're just handing out candy. <laughs> Come here, little drummer. Come here. You <laughs> like canning people. Here in. we go.
0: And then I lure them into this giant van of vegetables. It's like, yeah. hey, nothing nefarious here. I just need you to eat your damn vegetables. <laughs> so I, I think that finding that balance of, hey, this is fun to listen to. And that's why I think the hook thing might be that next gateway t- to the next step of my playing is actually what, I mean, of course, Nate. I would say Nate Smith is a good example of somebody that's yeah, there. Always, where it's yeah. everything it's like, plays
1: as that, that that it's, that it's a hook.
0: Yeah, but it also is at a level where we as drummers also go. That's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to leave the badass thing alone. I'll deal with that later. Right now, I just need to tone things down and get to the hook phase. So that is what I'm working on in 2020. That's what. Oh, did you say you want to do two things? Yeah. Do you have another one? Do you have,
1: uh, why don't you go? Uh, are you sure do you have another one are you gonna make it up (laughs) (laughs) don't you worry about it i got something the only other big goal which is which is a very deliberate goal for this year is i'm absolutely going to be releasing music on a very regular basis so i've already got 12 solo drum performances if you follow me on instagram or youtube i've been just kind of essentially going down to the kit every day improvising something posting it and that's going to be it so i'm going to release those actually as a as a product and then i'm going to shift so this is solo drums then i'm going to shift into revisit an old idea which i call drums and machines so i'm gonna have all these different you know give myself like two weeks to produce the record record it mix it put it out so hopefully oh my god you're actually going to release music oh yeah like not month- just social media monthly or bi-monthly or oh that's awesome like very man. regularly because I feel like I'm at a point in my plane where I don't cringe even though I might listen back I'm like okay that maybe went on a little bit too long or that would I'd crunch some subdivisions or whatever I'm like okay that's still representative of what I'm doing right now I like the vibe I'm going to put it out so that's, I love it hopefully so the first one is almost done I just need to mix it master it get someone to design it put it out
0: I think I think our listeners would love that. Um, Yeah, my uh, my other thing that I'll be working on this year is is somewhat similar, but it's getting comfortable with the moment being the moment and not scripting the moment too much. So I'm going to try probably about two to three times a week at no with no announcement to just start Instagram live and walk over to the kit and play a five to seven minute drum solo. I need to do that, too. No explanation, yeah. no no apologies. Like, hey, just so you know, I'm not really comfortable at 48 beats per minute, <laughs> but I'm going to explore my own limitation. Like, now, shut what up. What are you
1: going to be doing? Are you just going to turn your phone on? Or are you going to use a yeah. mic or what are nope. you going to do? No
0: mics. No, just my phone. Um, and I actually, I've thought about actually moving things to different levels of transparency and even making my Instagram channel. Mm phone-driven and let YouTube be the high production value. Because if if you follow me on Instagram, you know the last maybe year and a half to two years, my focus has not been the drums. My focus has been video. I've been Mm -hmm. trying to make better videos every single day. And the drums end up being the product of that or the spotlight of that, but I'm trying to get better at that. And I feel like I'm at a place where, okay, now let me move that over to YouTube where it belongs, Mm -hmm. where I can have great looking video and B roll and intros and all this stuff. And let me put the production value there and then let Instagram be a little bit more like peeling away a layer of like, okay, well, what does he really sound like? You know, it's like, all right, no mics, no compressors. This is just Mm -hmm. welcome to the, to the real world. And then obviously Instagram stories is me holding my phone up to my face where it's like, there's no lighting. I can't fix this. I didn't Mm -hmm. edit it. By the way, I'm 43.
1: (laughs) Get over it.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, there's videos of me floating around where I'm 23, and people are like, dude, you look old. I'm like, well, you keep watching the same video from 1984. Of course I look old.
1: Age 30 years since then. Oh, man. I had to... I, it is a shock. I remember being a teenager, seeing my favorite drummers that I only knew via their like 1987 <laughs> videotape? T- videotape and seeing them in person. Like, oh, okay. Time doesn't... What stop.
0: happened to you, bro?
1: Uh... I aged so so yeah so
0: uh that's I think that that's a big goal of mine is and it, it happens maybe once every two or three days where I'm like man I feel really good about my drumming I'm gonna go throw my phone up and just let it roll and then I'm like no I'm not and I I want to I want to get used to that because obviously part of my career is clinics and drum festivals and that's not going to stop and uh I've got I can't announce one of them but I can announce uh the other one and i will be performing on the main stage at the uh, UK drum show the 2020 UK drum show so that's something where i already know the lineup and there's a lot of drummers there that i would l- i would love that hey man i haven't heard you play in a while you sound really good like that's all mm-hmm. i need i don't right. need to like you're bad at like i'm over that but that would be really cool especially for some of the people i look up to or some of the people that have never seen me play in person you know i mean it's almost like full circle from the time i told Russ Miller, hey, sorry, that was like me at 70%. I'd mm-hmm. rather be like, oh, that was me. That's exactly what I sound like jet lag <laughs> in the UK. And I'm totally proud of it. I crushed right. it. So. So, all right, let's get into some sound. We're going to talk about snare drums, and as promised from the last episode, Mike and I are going to try to bring in more audio, because this is an audio experience. You're in your car, you're running, you're jogging, you're at the gym, and we want to make sure that you get a chance to hear things and experience things in your mind in a way that wouldn't happen if you saw the video of it. There's no video of what you're about to hear. I didn't film it, I only recorded it, and we are calling it... Well, it doesn't really have a name, but it's three snares from a different from different eras, and I wanted you guys to hear something where you could actually hear the age of the drum. And I guess we should start with: Do you think you can hear the age of a wood drum?
1: No, I. No, I think I could hear okay. the style of drum, like mm, the okay. shell makeup maybe versus versus the age of it, because um, they kind of go hand in hand. Like a, a, a drum made tomorrow with a three-ply mahogany poplar shell is going to have a certain sound may not be is as, yeah. as dark as a one from the 20s or something, but at least I, I think I would think I could identify the type of drum versus the age of the drum
0: and I think there's so much that goes into it with on the hardware level as well. I think if I put all modern hardware on a 1920s shell, that would modern it up almost more than swapping out the shell Mm. you know uh, and the wires uh, the wires the the way i mean even because in this example that you guys are going to hear you're going to get to hear a a 20s ludwig a 60s slingerland and a 2020 Gretsch. and no matter what i do with the wires on the slingerland it's it doesn't really change the tone of the drum it's it's kind of hard you can't make it more snary it just does Mm -hmm. what it does and it's such a staccato, almost marching-type sound, no matter what I do with them. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I think, only, what, 10 of them? <laughs>
1: like, yeah. I mean,
0: those, those wires are so thin. Yeah. And then on the super-sensitive, you've got it pulling up the way that those super-sensitive throw-offs worked. And so I think that the mechanics of the drum... But what, I, what we didn't want to do is we're not trying to do a scientific test where everything's tune-botted and everything's exactly the same. It's like, no, this is kind of a typical drum of the nineteen late 1920s, typical drum of the 60s, and a typical drum of today. So let's do it one at a time, and let's hear first. This is a 1929 Ludwig Super Sensitive, and it's an anniversary, it's a 29-anniversary drum that I got from Bryson Nelson over at Nelson Drum Shop. And uh, this is a mahogany shell, so three-ply mahogany shell with... Uh, I didn't see if it had maple reinforcement hoops but it's just your average mahogany shell and a wood drum from that era right.
1: first thing i notice is you could not get a modern drum to do that whatever that thing is totally not get a modern drum to do that i don't care how to the spec the drum is made like it was in the 20s there's something in that it's almost weird it's like bright and dark and dry and ambient all at once and it's just it's
0: it's almost the opposite of what i consider a a snare drum i'm like (laughs) It, it sounds like a toy but it doesn't it doesn't sound cheap it just it's weird it's as we go through these and and at the end of this guys we will play all three back to back so you can really hear them but it's almost like I'm increasing the Eq per drum yeah but the EQ is exactly the right, same it's kind right. of like you're you're taking out the highs you're taking out the lows and it's just mostly mids but it's once again, like I said, the sensitivity of the snares, because there's so few of them, it's more drum than it is snare. Yeah. They're super tight, even though they're not tight. I mean, as soon as, if I loosened it one more little quarter turn on the snare wires,
1: they're like barely touching. Rattling. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy so how,
1: how much that's changed. If any of you listening have not heard Billy Martin's breakbeats collections, I think they're called Illy B Eats that's his snare sound whatever that is that's on almost every one of his break beats it's that vibe so and you didn't do much compression or anything to that right is it's rough, no fairly draw fairly raw
0: yeah this is fairly raw and this is my normal setup the only thing that's different compared to my normal setup is i had my kit off the stage because i was vacuuming my rug and so it's just kick snare and hyatt's so there's no toms mm-hmm. ambiently ringing uh, so it's, I mean, you're really hearing it, and then I was able because of that to get the mic a little closer than normal and right over the snare. But that's it, just kick and snare mic. Okay. Um, and so yeah, it's it's pretty that's cool, and I beats. can tell you, <laughs> break beats. That <laughs> sounds like a snare that would have absolutely been in a soul coughing record at some point. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's so much vibe. I mean, you would not. Want to take that as your one drum if you have like no. a, a major no. label session or
0: something? I feel like that's like the when the producer can't explain to the drum doctor, like <laughs> ah, I don't know, it's just this thing. and He's like, all right, let me go into my my case, and they, you know, he's got this gold case, and he pulls it out, and there's a light shining, and they break out the <laughs> one of twenty nine uh, ever made, and then uh, yeah, that's but that snare has a vibe. So let's fast forward. About 35, 40 years into the mid to late 60s. So this is definitely something that has been a pick of the week in the past for uh, us, at least I hope it has. And this is just the the Slingerland, what were you calling it, the I artist series? I think it's series? an artist
1: series. It's just their regular three-ply mahogany popular drum. It's not the solid Radio King show.
0: Correct. And you can get these, honestly, for between two to $300. Yep. And this is, if you can't afford, I think... God, uh, just for full transparency, I think I paid like $1,600 for that Ludwig from Bryson. And if you can't yeah. afford that, this is – and I was really getting that because it's a piece of history. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, oh, I love that sound. That's such a Mike Johnston sound. That was not the plan. <laughs> it was like that. a collector's that, item, yeah. That's a collector's item. Uh, and so with this Slingerland, it has a very similar sound, three-ply shell. The snares are very – um, you know, they, they just have on and off they don't mm-hmm. have a lot of adjustment to them but this to me when I hear it uh, I just think how could you not have that in your collection that sound no matter who makes it because mm-hmm. it just is that thing that like you said a modern drum can't do so let's take a listen to that
1: now Yeah, so I think you nailed it. These are sleepers. If you can still find them, I mean, under 300 bucks, And that if you didn't listen to these two drums side by side, I think you might think they're the same drum. I am hearing, it's a terrible word, but a little bit more of a cheapness to the Slingerland drum versus the Ludwig. It's not as much depth or detail to it. The highs aren't as high. The lows aren't as low. But it's still got that weird breakbeat kind of like thing thing you can't reproduce in any other drum i I just see
0: quest playing this with a wallet sitting on top of it yeah i mean you could do so much with this drum and how how no matter what the budget is even if it's one drum per year and you allocate a tiny budget to your drumming and to your gear collection having this and a and a a, uh, 60s through 90s aluminum obviously the ludwig uh, acrylite comes to mind for that but having those two snares as, like, my random sounds, mm-hmm. you just, just have them.
1: Yep. Yeah, this, that, this era of Slingerland for me is if someone says, give me, like, 60s Bernard Purdy, like, that's the first thing I yeah. grab is that drum. I put a little bit of muffling on it to keep, get rid of that yep. high overtone, and it's just has that mid-rangey compressed thing that I would that's spend too it. much time trying to dial out. All the hi-fi of a new drum to get it to sound like that. When this is just put it up in there, it, is. it just does it. It's mid-rangey. Absolutely. It's got some splat to it. It's just been a weird yeah. thing. <laughs> and I
0: and I will say just for all of those that are wondering, all of these drums have single ply coated heads, so the same head, and none of them are using muffling at all. So, all right, our next drum is modern. So we went uh, and I used mine only because I have it here, and I was telling Mike all the other modern wood drums I have fit into a different category i have a couple doc sweeney snares those are solid steam bent shells i obviously have the one that jefferson at sugar percussion made for me that's a stave drum Mm. Uh, and then everything else that i have from different companies is metal so Mm. this is the brooklyn standard i did turn the internal muffle off so you'll hear probably more overtones than you're used to hearing from my stuff uh and it's tuned a little bit higher than normal just to match the other drums
1: fascinating no disrespect but it's like it's like the vibe goes you know we have the the 20s is like vibe heaven the 60s is like that's pretty vibey this is like snare drum (laughs) that was
0: the marketing (laughs) plan since the beginning can we please just make a damn snare drum so that was the goal with this let's leave that side out of it but yeah this sounds like a snare drum and i think that it's it's important for me that my students have that taken care of but that that is kind of the point is okay well that's what this does and Mm -hmm. i think most modern and and you and i talked beforehand but most modern wood drums would have that thing where it's like ah, sounds like a snare drum
1: yeah
0: right that's why i chose this is because it's almost the generic and then from there have some vibe in your collection now that 20s i mean that's cost prohibitive but it doesn't mean you can't find a 20s 30s or 40s wood drum that's affordable the, the reason why that one's so expensive isn't because of its vibe it's because it's one of 29 yeah it's pretty easy to find i mean probably in the four to seven hundred dollar range to find something like that and then that that 60s slinger i mean that's a no-brainer just pick one up i, I went on reverb today and i found three of them for in the two to 250 range
1: yeah it's crazy and in, in the the modern drum isn't one that I would go I wouldn't use it for vibe I would actually probably dampen it pretty heavily and go for just a dry normal just a snare drum drum that (laughs) just sits right in the mix and then have these other wide open ringy clangy things for when I need just that extra funkiness Um, because there's also something in the there's something in the the clarity the the sensitivity of this modern drum that the overtones actually get in the way of I think I want to get rid of right, those. So you, you hear more of the the buzz, the fuzziness of the wires in a way, the yeah. detail. Yeah, I, I agree. Totally so it's interesting. Well, but they're not so it, so extremely different. That's really the. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're very different, but it's not like I could probably force the the Brooklyn drum to do what the other two are doing.
0: It's I think just not. Yeah, I think you could that. swap out swap out the wires to to much less because it's got you know forty two on there. Yeah. So swap out the wires to much less, and change some things. About I will say this though, any of these snares, and this is as with staying in the same like multiply shell. Even though we went three three six, staying in a multiply shell, this is pretty much as different as you can make the same dimension snare, mm. and they're not that different. If you gave me a full song of say that sixty slayerland by verse. By by the middle of the first verse, I'd be used to it. It'd be snare drum. Mm-hmm. You get used to these things so quick. It's only when we're comparing them and AB and them like this. And I also wanted we're gonna you and I will be doing a a segment in future episodes where we're featuring a snare drum per week out of our personal collection. The reason why you have these is they're just different flavors, but I at no point am I thinking because the Ludwig's more money wise, it's better than. I, I just I just think of it as like it does does it do its job or not? And mm-hmm. if somebody said, like, hey, can you play me like can you send me a file of like this little ragtime fill? Just just the fill on the snare drum. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go grab my twenties Ludwig. Like yeah, yeah. I don't have to do anything to it. I wouldn't even EQ it. I <laughs> like, dude, this <laughs> literally sounds like you just walked into a, a swing club in the twenties. Yes. It's pretty
1: fascinating. I mean I'm thinking like as a studio drummer, what would I do with these exact three drums? I think you're 20s drum i would deaden it up and i want it to be that real kind of thuddy pillowy kind of thing that would be the drum yep. for that because it has that in there the overtones are yeah. kind of covering that up a bit right the 60s drum i would have it just be funky as it is just just give me all that yeah. crazy mid-range stuff and then the modern, the modern drum, drum i would probably want it to be a little bit more rattly a little bit more like reverbed out sounding so i could really yeah you know thinking of thinking of like a modern a Snare drums sound in a track. I want it to take up more of a quarter note vibe. So i think like yeah. If somebody gave me everything a, a with pop, a, if somebody gave me
0: a pop country track, I, I just don't want to fiddle with the 20s Ludwig to get it there. The the modern drum is like, dude, this will take me three seconds. Yeah, exactly. I got it. Um, and that's why I think it's important to to look at your snare collection and think what is going to cause me the least amount of work. Yes, most drums. If you spend enough time, you can get them to do pretty much what you want them to do but the cool thing is by the way i didn't tune any of these these came straight off the shelf so whoever tuned them last (laughs) at camp that's how they were uh and i didn't check to see are you perfectly in tune i I just it was like dude they sound like drums put them on record them let's go let's listen to all three back-to-back so our listeners can get a better taste of the subtle differences
1: all day (laughs) that is crazy that is crazy yeah it's like i'm just hearing all the potential like oh yeah that'd be like a moody like americana in indie totally it's funny
0: like i see it as our earlier talk about education it's like i would show them the modern drum as the candy like come on check out snare drum and once they got in the car they'd be like what is all this old crap like no 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 I know it looks like vegetables, <laughs> but this is the good stuff.
1: Like, it barely works. It's going to break. The lugs are going to fly off. The snares like, are never yeah. going to stay on. <laughs> yeah. That's the adventure.
0: It's so much fun. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. And I hope you guys just are, have your minds open. We'll do more of this stuff in the future for sure. I think we can, this stuff is endless. We can compare metals and everything. And like I said, we will be bringing you stuff from our personal collection. Cause I think that's important too, Mike, is has a very lucky position where he gets a chance to review all the gear in the world for all the companies. But then I'm interested personally, like, well, you've reviewed all the gear. What did you buy? Hmm. Because one thing most people probably don't know is you, you do have to send the stuff back. Yes. Unless I just want
1: to buy it now. Right. I just buy it. Right.
0: <laughs> and I think that's interesting. Like, okay, well what, what did you decide? No, this can't leave. Cause I have the same things. I mean, we know that I'm a Gretsch artist, why do I have a bunch of ANFs? Why do I have some Danettes? Why do mm-hmm. I have Doc Sweeney's? What did I not let go when somebody said, "Hey, can you check this out?" And then I just said, "Hey, uh, I'll just keep this." <laughs> uh, do you have like Venmo? How does this work? <laughs> yeah. I'm keeping this. Uh, so. Pay you some money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into our featured artist. this time our featured artist is the great eric harland and Indeed. something you may not know about eric is that i think about a year ago i reached out to him and asked him to be my drum teacher oh really uh, i don't think i ever told no, anybody no, you never other told than me that. yeah he and you was like um,
1: no kid go practice <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm older than him. <laughs> um, actually, I don't know how
1: old Eric is, but... Uh, He's shockingly uh, young for being as as, as, active uh, as, as he is. As accomplished. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: No, he. Uh, we just both, we looked at our schedules, and it was just one of those things where it, his schedule was way too busy to fit in mentoring somebody else. Because it's, it's not like I can be like, hey, can you send me a PDF of something to work on? It's like, no, 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 I want you to actually oversee the future of my drumming. But that being said... I've asked very few people in the world ever to do something like that. And Eric is one of those people that I asked because he is that dream sound. When I hear him play drum set by himself, that is what I wish I was Mm -hmm. in 20 years. I just hear this incredible jazz vocabulary, but not without the fear of doing it in a 16th note based straight world. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if he chooses to swing, he swings his ass off clearly. Can I say that or will you edit that out? No, ass. Oh, okay. Ass, ass, ass. ass. Uh, Assassin. Uh, Well, if you said it, then I guess we can both say it. So he swings like crazy, but when he's playing straight, it's like, oh,
1: man, this is just the stuff. So now, do you know Eric personally? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. A couple of times, um, I was there for a photo shoot a few years back, you know, just, just... Friendly. I don't think he would recognize me if he saw me walking down the street, but I know his drumming really, really well. I mean, I've been a huge fan since, oh gosh, what really caught my ear was probably around 2004 when he was started playing with the Charles Lord Lloyd uh, Quartet, and they put out a record. I wish I had the name of it, and it's not in front of my mind, but then they followed it up with a record with uh, Zakir Hussein playing Tabla. Yeah, right? So that those two records um, right around that time period just transformed my whole concept of what playing music and drums can be. It was so open, but yet so there was all so much detail, but you could tell that they were probably just sketches of music. Like, here's the melody, now let's just go play. I think yeah. even, in, maybe not in this story, he's on the cover of the February issue if you don't have it yet, but maybe in a previous feature he talked about I didn't study Indian music. I just listened to what Zakir was playing and responded it. appropriately. And that was That's like so mind-blowing. Cool. Like, wow, you just broke all the rules of, of how you're supposed to learn drumming. You've got to learn all the, all the ins and outs and all the details right. of each thing.
0: And the same reason why everyone, or not everyone, but a lot of people stay away from Indian drumming is they feel like, oh, it's, it's too structured. And since I don't know the language, yeah. I don't want to mess with it at all.
1: Yeah, and him him just saying no. Use your use your ears. We're having a conversation here. You speak that language. I speak this language, but we can still right. we can still communicate. Um, so that just that so that's fifteen sixteen years ago, um, and since then he's just continued to evolve in ways that are frustratingly awesome. Uh, I'm going to find that that Charles Lloyd record is jumping the creek. Okay, in particular, there's a song called "Canon Perdida." first time i ever heard someone play the hi-hat with two sticks in one hand like on top and bottom and do that like it's incredibly fast 30 second note kind of vibe so the whole track starts with him playing this sort of like really delicate drum and bass inspired thing
0: was alerted to who he was as a player not as a player it was him as an educator because he was on this site that i was keeping track of back in the early days of online education called jazzheaven.com yes he put out a great video yeah and i was like who is this this is who i want to study from yeah and then from there just started going down the rabbit hole with his music uh and uh, i'm trying to like I think when I heard him he's on an album by Chris Potter called Circuits Yeah, that's and great. when I started hearing that stuff it was like oh man and I remember at that time I had to identify the tracks like okay that swings I won't listen to that those are the three straight tracks I'll listen to those and because I was always trying to get something out of it and it, it took me a long time to be able to see swing as triplet based vocabulary rather than mm. this thing that, this club that you're either in or you're out Um mm-hmm. So I remember just when I started getting into that world and then that leads you to a Terrence Blanchard record and that leads you to finding out who these other drummers are and then you find out about this whole entire crew of musicians that are pushing jazz forward and then jazz becomes something new jazz becomes what it always was supposed to be which is a creative art form and I think he's a big part of that but his drumming he's almost like what we talked about with Nate Smith it's hooky you can. You don't have to be an advanced player to enjoy his drumming. Eric's mm. drumming is almost like candy and vegetables at the same time.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. He kind of blends complexity with just insane phrasing and dynamics. That's it's kind of undeniable. It, I, it's I think it falls right in the the lexicon. Like Jack DeJohnette, you're not going to understand what the heck he's playing, but you're still going to get moved by it emotionally because there's so much yeah, musicality to enough. it. Um, yeah, he's For me, he's in that, that level of communicator with the drums. And um, if I can pull up a quote here from the story, this might actually kind of relate to that. He says, um, sometimes I feel the biggest problem with drummers is that they have no relationship with the instrument. If you don't have a relationship with the instrument, you're not going to have anything to say. And a relationship as in understanding physically how your body relates to the drum set. And then the whole story kind of stays on that topic. And then he later talks about, you have to go back to the basics. So sometimes I'll sit at the drum set and use all four limbs to play simple quarter notes and simple eighth notes. If, or if possible, sixteenth notes, develop that and synchronize those notes. I want to develop muscle memory so that my body could understand everything simultaneously. So my left hand could understand what my right hand was doing. My right hand and my left hand could understand what my right foot and left foot were doing. So always back to the basics. Always. One of the
0: greatest drummers on the planet today, sitting down and playing quarter notes with all four limbs and being dissatisfied with it. Right. <laughs> right. That's a life lesson
1: right there. <laughs> it's amazing. So let's drop in a little audio here. I've got um, this this track I heard. He put out a record, it might have been last year, with his band, Eric Harlan Voyager. And he pre-released with this blazing cut. It's called Fast Five. And once I heard it, I was like, "Okay, Eric, you, you've you can stop, you can stop <laughs> you now." Win. It's essentially, and I, when I heard it, I was like, "Okay, this is Eric Carlin's version of what Nefertiti with Tony Williams, where it's essentially the band just plays a, a riff, and then he goes above and beyond the Call of Duty. <laughs> it's just right. annihilates you. So let's check out a little bit of it. It's called Fast Five. I think that's Eric saying, hey, what's up, guys? I can play drums. (laughs) You win.
0: Uh, I always say that drumming isn't a competition, but today it is, and you win. You can have the belt. You can have the crown. Whatever you need, man. Sit on the Iron Throne. Damn. So I would say like where he is kind of at the 2 minute to to 2 minute 45 mark is a level of drumming that i think can actually turn a lot of young drummers off and by young i don't mean age how long they've played mm. because it sounds it's almost like art where you just go like well isn't he just hitting stuff yeah to be able to do that with that level of control and actually doing it on purpose not yeah. just like i'm gonna go crazy but like no, i'm making a statement that's man
1: yeah next and level I'm, I'm willing to bet if you're in the room with him you could have a conversation over top of what he was just doing Right. I would imagine because it's his, his—he's so feather, whispery, delicate. It's—it's it's, that's what blows me away. Like to play that fast, that kind of un, unbound <laughs> But then at a level where like it, he's not hitting the drums that hard, right? Yeah, I—I I think uh,
0: maybe it was on uh, Stefan Harris and Blackouts record um, uh, with Terry Angoli. That was a record that's primarily straight and it alerted me to this thing that Mm. can happen at those crazy soft dynamic levels. And Eric is just, he's just a master of it, man. Absolutely. So definitely everyone check out Voyager. It's an amazing album. You can also hear a bunch of live stuff. There's a Voyager, uh, is it live by night or live by night? Ooh, I don't know. Right. Live by night. I would think, but I don't know. I would, uh, yeah, but then it's like, but is it live? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I think, uh, is it Vipassana that's been something that was either a pick of the week, or yeah. we've talked about it in the past. Yeah, there's, there's so many.
1: Pretty much everything he's played on, I think, is is worth checking out. Um, yeah, I just found and definitely, the, oh, go ahead. i say I just found the bit where he's explaining the concept behind that track. Okay. Um, uh, nope, wrong track. Either way, there's another song on that album called 13th Floor. <laughs> Where the concept is what what would a horror movie sound like, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. and that's what he's playing. So, for me, yeah. I love his his concept of of the drumming is a, is a tool to express something greater. Yeah, I mean, that's, and and
0: not to mention too, we uh, kind of left it out, but he's a fantastic musician. Like watch, follow him on Instagram and check out his piano playing and check out his. I think his Instagram is what we want out of our artists, which is, can I get a tiny window into your world? And he's actually very good about doing that. Some people, like we talked about overproduce things. Um, I've definitely been guilty of that and try to create this fake version of our life. Some people show me a little too much. I'm like, I don't need to know all that, but I think Eric (laughs) does a really good job of, um, of really keeping it like, this is a snapshot into my life. I am a professional musician and you will see some of that but there's also some life in there as well and um every once in a while he gives you a nugget by alerting you to something. I think Carter McLean does a good job of this too, alerting you to something that he's into that you would enjoy as well. So if you want the, to follow him.
1: Did you see the yeah. teaser that he and Antonio Sanchez just did a duet improv record? Oh yeah, yeah. That was what he posted I think last week. I'm like, "Okay, now he's He's definitely giving me exactly what I want from him as an artist. <laughs> just drums Stud. and those two guys. Stud. Yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing. So follow,
0: you can follow Eric Harland. It literally is just Eric Harland. So at E-R-I-C-H-A-R-L-A-N-D and definitely check out his featured story in the current issue of Modern Drummer.
1: talk about some more snare drums huh i'm not scared
0: especially you know what you know what would be my dream is and i know this is impossible but i i just wish it involved bamboo (laughs) i had no idea where you were going with that i haven't looked at the rundown yet but oh my god we're covering a bamboo snare drum Woo!
1: okay so we're checking in in the february issue i got a chance to review three of d drums new dios um snare drums So Dios is their. um, It was originally an all maple series, but then they have since expanded a little bit. But it's it's primarily an all maple series from D Drum. So they sent two maple snares. One is a six and a half by fourteen. One is a seven by thirteen. They're um, basically the difference because we I think we reviewed some of these maybe last year. These are new finishes that match the kits that are available, so you can get like matching snares to go with the kits. Now got it. But then they also put added a six and a half by fourteen bamboo snare to the dios line so we can Mm -hmm. focus in on the bamboo but all the audio for the 13 and 14 maple um, is linked in the show notes as well Um, the best thing i can say about or the most important point i can say about these drums they sound great they're built well and they are super affordable the 13 inch is 249 249? it's unbelievable and then the six and a half by 14 is 279 so if you want just a good workhorse basic maple snare drum. These are more than worth that price. It's kind of shocking. Dang. Um, Dang. So let's talk about the bamboo. So the bamboo is a $500 drum. Um, It comes with a 10-ply, 8-millimeter thick bamboo shell. How do you make plywood out of bamboo? I have no idea. How do you do it? Dude, uh, you're looking
0: at... (laughs) the king of renewable com. that's the new business i just started i have no clue i am uh, still mystified by the bamboo straws showing up at starbucks uh i mean you know you and i talked a little bit before the podcast about bamboo coming on the scene when dw did those kind of renewable resource drum mm. kits and they were incredible and it's a weird weird material it's yeah it's a grass right or is yeah, it a weed, whatever. I'm, I'm not. We're not doing this. <laughs> There's no way we're dealing with the fallout from that. I think like, it's a grass. It's stick a weed. To drums, it's Mike weed. and Mike. It's not um, a tree. It's not like you can go chop down a bamboo a tree and get a bunch of wood out of it. Correct. And, um, but it is something unique. And I, I can only imagine that they. I'm not even going to speculate. Anyways, when you look <laughs> at it, it looks like a stave shell, right? Because of the way they have to put it all together. Yeah. But it looks like a horizontal stave.
1: Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea, but it comes with die-cast hoops. It has um, 10 of D-Drum's bullet-shaped tube lugs, 45-degree barren edges with a 30-degree back cut, uh, basic perpendicular lever uh, throw-off. You know, It's got a nice upgrade that I wish more drums in this price range would have. It comes with the plastic washers on the tension rods, so you don't have the mm-hmm. grinding of metal on metal. That's a subtle but really, I think, important uh, feature. Um, So yeah, so then let's check it out first and then we'll kind of talk about it.
0: So now we're back to where we started this podcast. We're back to a drum with vibe. Mm-hmm. I would not use this as the only snare drum I owned in my collection, but this thing has something that I don't
1: really hear in normal wood drums. Yeah, I'm not sure how to describe it. Right? I don't open, but not thin. Um, but it's still punchy and has like a lot of musical tone to it. I mean, it's it's really hard to describe sound with words, but. What i can I, only assume too is the shell pretty light it's bamboo um well the hardware kind of bulked it up a bit die-cast tubes, but it didn't feel any particularly different than just, any other okay drum. Um, what about volume it put out a lot of sound but not again how do you describe it it just had a lot of sound but it wasn't like a abusive you know, okay. Like it was just like a lot of the sound coming from all over the place, but it wasn't like assaulting me. Like, so like, would it follow you? Like, if you got quiet, it got quiet.
0: Yeah, if you totally went up, yeah. Because I remember when the the kits, the full kits, came out back in the day. Uh, I remember being surprised at how loud they would get, and mm-hmm. if you went there with them. I mean, they were fine if you played them quiet, but I was like, man. But then bamboo itself is pretty hard. You know. Yeah. I don't know what the. uh density scale is on it but but yeah it's it's just got a thing and i think that's a, a really vibey drum and at 500 bucks for brand new that's a pretty awesome pretty awesome deal
1: yeah i mean it's 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 down the middle enough i think again with some dampening you could you could be just a snare drum but it had, sure. it had a certain resonance to it that that i don't get from any other type of i don't know you can't call it wood any other shell species whatever it is sure Just more. There you go. Yeah. Very cool. We'll check it
0: out, and uh, I'm sure we can find it at the at the NAMM show in a couple weeks. So yep. we'll check it out. I'll get to check it out in person. There's a lot of drums you've reviewed that I am not a part of. I just get to yep. hope that your microphones are doing their <laughs> their, their, their job. So I'm excited to, to get oh, to actually play got some stuff. Oh, we've got one coming up that you're very much a part of. <laughs> oh, I've, I've played that one before. I'm excited. I'm excited to see where that goes. All right, let's get into our listener questions and then our picks of the week.
1: All right, this one is from... Huge Beats is back. I think we might have uh, answered one of Huge Beats' questions last week or the week before. But I have a Yamaha Musashi, which is the 6 by 13 or 13 by 6 however you do your dimensions. <laughs> That has an unpleasing ring and or overtone no, no matter if I tune it high, medium, or low. It's coming from the batter head. I've changed heads, and nothing seems to help. I put a few pieces of moon gel on it, but it takes four moon gels near the middle of the head to tame it, making it too dead. How do I get that what? open, natural, but not overpowering ringing snare that I hear in all of your demos? Any tips? Yeah, get a new snare. <laughs> I think that's an oak drum. I'm pretty sure that's an oak drum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember those, and I'm pretty—they're the sh- ones that
0: have kind of like that Japanese-looking badge, right? Yeah, it's like
1: a red badge, maybe. Yep. 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 I remember that. I feel like Dan Weiss uses one of these in all of his gigs. So, and hmm. none of his drums I've ever tar- I've heard him play. It sounds overly ringy. So, it can it can work. Um, but it's an oak. I'm pretty sure it's an oak drum. So that's going to be a bright, ringy drum. It's going to be closer mm-hmm. to a metal drum than a, a mahogany drum. Um what would you what would i do here's a tip uh, which i didn't realize the bottom head actually impacts overtone more than you might think uh if agreed if it's too tight you might get that kind of over like that weird over ring that just keeps going on and on and on so mess with the bottom head and don't be afraid to throw a moon on the bottom head too uh, but yeah if Wait, you're having to put, what yeah man the heck just happened yeah. no
0: <laughs> But, I, and I'm not saying no. I don't agree. I'm, we're not going back back to the practice pad. I'm just saying, like,
1: whoa! You just blew somebody's mind. I, well, that I can't. I t- can't take ownership because I give credit where credit is due. <laughs> not like I'm accused of. Anyway, uh, near Z told uh, me to do that. That's something that he he had mentioned. If 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 the if the drum is just ringing too much, but it's not like a a tone that you feel like you can tune out. It's probably the bottom head. So just put a little tape or something on that bottom. Nice, nice, very cool. But having to put four. Uh, moon on. there's something something going on Um, yeah well the
0: other thing is it's very hard we're we're listening or we're reading this question with our drummer ears and some people when when they say like snare buzz or overtone they want it gone you know and i and i'm going like and i know he mentioned that your videos have a pleasing ring to it but there are times where somebody will play a snare that i consider to be tuned flawlessly and they're like yeah how do you get rid of that i'm like you mean the best part of the drum (laughs) oh we just have very different ears you grew up listening to very dead drums we're not going to see eye to eye on this so i think it it also comes sometimes it's just the wrong drum for the job
1: yeah i mean she can send us a an audio recording of it, we'd be happy to that a listen. But Yeah, try, try muffing the bottom head first, see if that works. All right, next one is from David. Um, when using a symbol setup utilizing two rides rather than a ride and a crash, what considerations go into selecting the two different rides? How do you determine which ride goes on which side?
0: That is great. I have two rides on my kit and actually... For the last couple of weeks, that's actually all I've had besides mm-hmm. the Hyatts. I don't even have a crash, so I just have a twenty-two and a twenty-one. Cool. Um, I, I think a couple things. One, do either of them have any crash ability? Both both of the ones that I do actually have quite a bit of crash ability, but the twenty-two is thin and dark, so it's not my go-to crash. And then my twenty-one has a little bit more of an explosive crash. Mm. Um, but even crashing on a ride that is crashable isn't the same as a crash symbol. Mm-hmm. So crash becomes a verb, not a noun And to crash on something. You can do it, but I would never use that setup if I was recording for somebody. Cause I don't have a crash symbol. It's, it's really just that I'm trying to be a little bit more creative with my own playing. So the, the thought that goes into it is one, do they sound the same? If so, why do you have two of them? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, one of my rides does have a bell. One doesn't. Even though it does, it doesn't have a usable bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's one that's almost like a traditional ride symbol for me to do ride symbol stuff on, and then I just have a completely different flavor over my rack tom. Um, you know, so I have the twenty two over my rack, and then the twenty one is in the normal ride symbol place. And uh, and and the one thing that I like about having two ride symbols is there's a lot of it's a it's like an ergonomic thing there's a lot of things that i like to do and it's much more comfortable for me to do it where you would put your left side crash cymbal mm. than it is to okay. have my arms wide open i'm right next to the hi-hat i can sweep down to the hi-hat the rack toms there if i'm doing little flammity flip doom flip doom flip doom it's right there so there's there's a few reasons for it
1: uh what about you man um, a few different approaches for me. I think whichever ride symbol I would consider to be the one that I would use on every minute of every song if I had to would be the one that would go on the right. So Correct. That would be my main ride, and then the second ride would just be what would be the, a contrast to that. Usually the main ride is a little bit washier, so then my contrast might be a little bit drier. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and similar to you, I think putting a drier ride over the hi-hat you've got a you've got a similarity of texture there so you can do s- rhythms that blend a little bit better between those two symbols yeah um, i use that kind of approach often but i also like the approach of making the right side ride be the more kind of drier all-purpose ride and the left side ride being more of a crash ride so then i can i can contrast it with a more washier ride sound or i can just crash it like a big crash cymbal
0: if I single crash on my 21-inch, which is in the standard position, that's what I can use that for. But if I'm crash riding, it's actually the thinner one that's on my left. So mm. yeah. if I'm just kind of bashing it, it's it's my 22, which is the Big Apple Dark Ride, um, Big Apple Dark Jazz Ride or something. But it's, it's 22. It's thin, but dark. So I think, honestly, everybody should be choosing gear that— makes them excited to play the drum set and causes you to play your very best. Mm. And even though I know I should have a crash cymbal there, I'm I'm not a jazz guy. I don't need two rides and a 22-inch jazz ride. But I play different when that ride is there. And I enjoy playing the drum set more when that ride is there. So I'm sorry. like Whether it makes sense or not, that's the way I'm leaning.
1: No, I agree. I think a crash cymbal is a crash cymbal, which means I'm going to hit it for a crash. And that's generally the only... So I don't want to. I don't want to waste an opportunity to have an instrument that I can explore. If I'm in that yes. mode of exploring, if it's just only for accents, that doesn't that doesn't do it for me. All right, we're friends again. All right, <laughs> we can hang out again. <laughs> All right,
0: don't bring up that practice pad
1: thing, though. One more, question. <laughs> uh, this is from Tim. Do you have any tips for for improving stage presence behind the kit? Thanks for the awesome podcast. Keeps me inspired. Thank you, Tim. Absolutely. I don't have any tips because I have terrible stage presence. I look like I'm the walking dead when I play. So I got no tips. Just play the music Uh, well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we have to make sure that we state your stage presence is less important than your musicality and your drumming. But I think it depends also on what you're playing. There are certain styles of music where if I go to a a club a jazz club and see a trio I'm really I don't need the drummer to have any stage presence honestly mm-hmm. I'm I'm probably going to be closing my eyes half the time uh, as a listener when I go to see a rock show yeah I, a pop show rock show country show I totally expect you to have stage presence and to be anchoring the stage show that is taking place And I can tell you, as somebody that didn't have it and then was trained into it by another drummer, I was lucky enough to live in a house with another drummer when I was in my late teens. Uh, And we faced our kids, you know, facing each other. And uh, he was a fantastic drummer. And we would go back and forth. And then Abe from Deftones would come over and we'd go back and forth and we'd Mm. try to like outdo each other with showmanship and pulling out our old uh, Tommy Lee moves and our uh, Rick. (laughs) uh Ricky Rocket moves and stuff as a joke but then you realize like you know what one of these at the right time might actually work at our gig <laughs> tomorrow night not going to do it for the whole thing and then we you know we were in the same scene as Morgan from Seven Dust who was mm-hmm. taking that to a whole different level and we had to keep up with that so that being said the way to work on it one is to get a mirror and put it either to the side or in front of your kit you need to see what you look like the- I can't even tell you how many thousands, tens of thousands of drummers are told on a nightly basis. What are you so upset about? It's Mm, like, oh, you mean that four limbs of my body are doing different things all at once? I'm concentrating, (laughs) you ass. See, we can use that word. (laughs) Uh, You said ass like seven times in this episode. And so it's like it's like I'm not upset it's this is just a really hard instrument to play and it's taking my full concentration and that's so I think putting a mirror in front of your kit so you can see what you're doing is good If you don't want to do that or you don't have the space to do that, film yourself and watch it back. But being able to correct in real time with a mirror I think is more important than even filming yourself. Because filming yourself requires you to get up, stop, watch it, course correct. When Mm. you can course correct in real time. And the other thing, stage presence a lot of times comes down to how you're actually playing the drums. You're going to make ugly faces. You're trying to do really hard things. You're going to have a runny nose and snot's going to be flying around (laughs) and whipping you in the forehead at some point in time. But (laughs) learning...
1: (laughs) Whipping you in the forehead. you illustrators you're, if you're, out there could do a nice
0: cartoon of that for us. <laughs> if you're going in, if you're going all the way in, I'm telling you, it's it's it's, it's going so, to happen. So it's not whip me in the forehead. That's, a, that's well, impressive. you've never rocked hard enough <laughs> while <true>. being sick, <laughs> while while having a cold. So, but. One thing that you have to do besides the ugly faces is you have to practice hitting the drums with more motion, more animation. And that one thing that people forget to tell you, because you think you're just going to turn it on at the show, that's going to go really bad for you. To hit the snare from you know 10 times higher than you're used to hitting, that's going to throw off your timing. So you Mm. actually have to practice these animated movements, and it's also going to throw off your cardio. It takes a lot more lung capacity to play right. animated than it does to play like you're in a session. So if you don't practice stage presence, you won't have it. And I, I think it's something that, as a touring rock drummer, it was really important for me to work on that stuff so that I looked relaxed when I played, and so I wasn't being smacked in the face by. So I could dodge it. I was like, "Snot's coming!" <laughs> Boom, out of the way. <laughs> it hit All me.
1: Right. So, who is an example of someone you think has incredible stage presence? oh god
0: um i think travis barker for sure tommy lee uh morgan from seven dust is probably one of the best and i'm I'm looking just at the rock world uh i think actually just from studying him before i had to play with him eric hernandez from bruno mars is Mm -hmm. great at it um eric Moore, i mean Mm -hmm. incredible stage presence and and i don't think it requires tricks i think it requires being in the the moment um now, stage presence doesn't mean animated as well. Watching Anderson Pock play while he's singing, mm-hmm. there's a presence
1: to it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Showmanship and presence, I think, should be defined very differently.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and I think, like him playing or, you know, um, or Questlove playing a simple beat, but he's so in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate Smith, those are great people with great presence, for sure. Uh, uh,
1: Josh Freese in that category where he oh, great, just a great. couple tricks, but not many. And. I've seen him live a half a dozen times, and I feel like as soon as he takes the stage, it's like all the spotlights are on him. Like there's something just about him. He's playing Mm -hmm. music. Like that's whatever he's doing, even though he's just playing drums. There's so much presence behind it. I
0: think stage presence and even a little bit of showmanship, I think what it comes down to is all in or not. Yeah, It doesn't matter how much you move. I can see in your face that you are all in. I I think Steve Jordan is somebody that's Mm -hmm. all in during a ballad. Yeah. during a slow 6-8 blues tune. He's all in. Um, and I think that makes it interesting to watch. When I go to see a band, I'm not a drummer anymore. I'm actually just a fan of music. And I do go from guitar to vocal to bass to drums. Guitar, vocal, mm-hmm. bass, like who I'm watching. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of taking in 20 seconds of each person. And when the bass player has no presence and that they huddle by their, their rig as like home bass... I just cancel him out. I'm like, all right, he's out. I'm not watching him or her anymore because this is boring. And now it's just and so, but it doesn't mean that they're doing backflips. You know, I mean, if we're looking at at uh, showmanship, the leader in the clubhouse is
1: Eric and Prota. Oh yeah, well, the dude yeah, yeah. does backflips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's taking it into an acrobatic level.
0: Yeah, yeah. his whole band. But yeah. I think watching the John Mayer trio with Pino, Steve, and John has as much presence as Eric's band Mm. presence, not showmanship. And it just comes down to, are you all in or are, am I watching you think about the fill that's coming up to the chorus? Then I can't watch you because I'm freaking out for you.
1: (laughs) Right. You can see the nerves. You can see. Yeah. I'm like, do you want, do you want me to do this? I got you, man. You can just, you can take the
0: night off. You still get the pay. (laughs) I'll just come up and handle this for you. (laughs)
1: uh well send your questions into mdinfo at modern drummer.com mike's ass. here to steal your gigs
0: <laughs> <laughs> no man you get to relax you just look too stressed go have a good time
1: uh, we do appreciate it. we have a couple audio questions we'll probably drop in next week but you can send yours in uh, there's still time info at modern drummer.com you have a pick of the week i do
0: so the uh Watching all the stuff from Eric and listening to all the stuff from Eric and finding out that he played with Terrence Blanchard led me to down the road of, oh man, I used to be a really, uh, Terrence Blanchard was one of the guys that got me into jazz. He was one of the gateway drugs for me to go, okay, I can actually dig this as a straight ahead rock drummer and his album Choices with uh, Kendrick Scott on it. Uh, was one of those albums. So check out the album Choices by Terrence Blanchard. It's, uh, it's not overly old. It was recorded in 2009. But there is a song called A New World that is just... Um, actually, yeah, A New World. I'm going to play it right now for me to make sure I'm giving you the right track. Yep, A New World. That is one of my all-time favorite songs, and I can't even tell you how many thousands of times I sat on my drum set trying to... Play that, and that is one of those things that led me to open my mind mm. back to jazz.
1: Dig it. Boom. Well, my pick of the week is uh, simple. I feel like I don't want to overlook the the value and quality of these D Drum Dio's Maple snares. So go check them out. There's there's videos on moderndrummer.com from the from the review. Um, for under three hundred bucks, to get a drum that probably could be your your primary gigging drum, or if you're just building Unreal. a collection, it's it's a good centerpiece. So. Both of them were good quality. So, um, yeah, the D Drum Dios Maple Snares. Check them out. That's it. Love it. All right, buddy. So who is our outro groove? Our outro groove is Andrew Bennett. Um, so he is a playing a simple chord progression and a melody that he recorded to play over. He uh, uses the recorder man setup, which has one mic over the snare drum and one mic over your right shoulder if you're a right-hand drummer. He's using two MXL 991 mics for the overheads. He has a Shure Beta 52A on the bass drum, SM57 on the snare. Um, and I hung out with Andrew via Skype a couple weeks ago to kind of help him get the creative juices flowing again. So nice. Um, it's cool that here he submitted this pretty much right after that. So here's Andrew Bennett. Everyone send your beats in to mbinfo at dot That's it. I'm done. Later, buddy. See yeah. ya.